The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about privacy and medical privacy and the HIPAA privacy and security compliance. And we have the expert on this. And I just got this book that I'm looking at right here that I'm going to be reading as a wonderful resource guide. It's called The Practical Guide to HIPAA Privacy and Security Compliance by Rebecca Harold and Kevin Beaver. And we have Rebecca on the phone with us. She has been with us before many times. She is an incredible security and privacy expert. She's a privacy professor. And let me tell you a little bit about this book. I'm looking at the back of this book. It says, this book provides an easy-to-understand overview of HIPAA privacy and security rules and compliance tasks, supplying authoritative insights into real-world HIPAA privacy and security issues. It summarizes the analysis, training, and technology needed to properly plan and implement privacy and security policies. And it is really fantastic. And and what I like about it is it is easy to understand. So any company that either has to deal with any kind of medical privacy, whether they're self-insured or their insurance company or they're any kind of medical, anything to do with medical, this is the guide to have. And I just love having Rebecca on. Let me tell you a little bit about Rebecca Harold. She's coming to us from Iowa, and she is an, an incredible woman. I've been so fortunate to be able to actually meet her in person at the International Association of Privacy Professionals Program annual meeting and So we've become friends and we've had been uh, talking on the radio and just talking. She's just incredible. So let me just tell you a little bit about her and then you can find out more about her at KUCI. I'm sorry, at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you'll see a picture and her bio and the URL for her uh, website as well as the, the JPEG of her book. And you can find out a lot more about her also at her website at privacyguidance.com. And it also connects to all of her other websites. But I want to just let you know that she is owner and CEO of the Privacy Professor 
which you can find out more at privacyprofessor.org. She's also co-owner and CVO of HIPAA Compliance Tools, and that's also another website, HIPAAcompliance.org. And by the way, HIPAA is spelled H-I-P-A-A. That's HIPAAcompliance.org. And she's also a partner with Compliance Helper, an adjunct professor for Norwich University Master of Science in Information Security and Assurance. And she, you can also find her at Twitter at twitter.com slash privacyprof. So that's a little bit about her. But I just want you to know she is widely recognized and respected across the world for her security and privacy expertise. And she's been providing information, privacy, security, and compliance services, tools, and products to organizations across the country and internationally. And for about the past two decades, she has numerous awards that you can find at our website. I'm too many to go through right now. But also, she is the author of 16 published books, and most recently, the one I just told you, The Practical Guide to HIPAA Privacy and Compliance Security Compliance, second edition, and she also has Data Privacy for the Smart Grid, which is coming out this year, 2015. Both of them are published by CRC Press. And again, there's so much more, but I want to talk to her personally. So you can find out so much more about her at privacyguidance.com. So thank you so much, Rebecca. It's great to talk to you in the new year. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Mari, for having me on again. I always just really enjoy speaking with you. Well, I learned so much from you every time we talk, Rebecca. Let's talk about the most common security risks that you see in the healthcare industry with healthcare provider organizations such as client, uh, clinics and hospitals. What's going on with them? Well, you know, a lot is going on right now, and really there's four different areas that I see kind of the the most significant risk in each of them. Uh, the first one has to do with low-tech. You know, there's so much high-tech uh, out there being used in healthcare, but there's still a lot of really huge uh, problems and mistakes being made with low-tech. Just a few months ago, I was at uh, a doctor's clinic, and I was waiting, and I was waiting in the room that they put me in. I thought, what's going on? I heard somebody go into the room across the hall, so I stuck my head out to see what was, if anyone was out there. And guess what I saw? I saw our patient files facing outward. Um, so I could see everything on the person, the patient's file, facing outward in the door that the doctor went into. And I also saw that their uh, appointment was 45 minutes after mine was scheduled, which is a different story. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it, it bothered me, but it's not... Unusual. So these low-tech mistakes are something that are just really happening too often that they're, they're doing silly little things like showing patient files out in the hallways where everybody is walking by. So, you know, that's one of the biggest security risks I see them doing is low-tech. Right. Uh, they're so worried about IT and, and the electronic, and then they just ignore what's going on in the in real world, right? Yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to make it as easy for the doctor. I, I know that's their intent because they're thinking, oh, well, the doctor can walk by, 
see it quickly without having to slow him or her down, but risk. Because, you know, we don't want our patient information to be viewable to everyone else in the hospital or the clinic. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's a simple thing to fix. Right, too. right. And with HICAC, something that I'm seeing a lot of is allowing the personally owned devices to be used. Doctors love using their own tablets and the nurses and the staff and so on, but they're using them to perform patient activities and to enter patient information, and they're not putting the security controls within those those uh, personally owned devices, the, the bring your own device or the BYOD is what you'll often hear it referenced as. So this is another big concern, the fact that we have all these gadgets that are in the hands of the providers and literally the security is of our patient information is up to them, but they aren't uh, being required to put security and privacy on there, at least not in a, a a way that's being effective and, and actually protecting that. So that's probably another big uh, issue with regard to the high-tech versus the low-tech that I just described Right. To you. So are you suggesting, Rebecca, that uh, wh- what is your suggestion, that they, that they use a device specifically for their patients and then have another device for all their personal, or are you suggesting that they learn how to do encryption or what is it that you're suggesting that they do to make it so that they are protecting uh, patient privacy? Well, definitely there's, there are many options and it considers uh, the consideration has to do with whether it's a huge hospital or a little clinic, but definitely whomever is responsible for security within that organization uh, needs to make sure that they've outlined what is required. So it, it's okay if they're using their own personally owned device, but for goodness sakes, make sure that you have the appropriate anti-malware software on there and that you have the device fully encrypted and that you have all the other safeguards implemented on that device and make sure someone within the clinic or the hospital is responsible to ensure that that is actually happening. And uh in too many cases, especially the small to mid-sized clinics, of course, oftentimes they don't have someone on staff with a security uh, expertise. So it, it, for those types of organizations, you know, that's a lot of my clients are those small and mid-sized clinics. Right. Uh, so, you know, if they need help, well, there's help out there that's affordable, but they need to make sure that they protect themselves and their patients. Right. And... Um, Another big thing I'm seeing is no oversight of their business associates whom they're entrusting all of this patient information to and giving them access to that information. So they need to make sure that they establish a method, a a program for ensuring that their business associates have appropriate controls in place for them. But I see that as a huge risk that far too many don't have that type of oversight. Yeah. So what kind of suggestions do you have for those business associates? Because, you know, they're the, the bottom line is that the um, the liability is going to be with everybody, right? I mean, if, if you have a business associates that you, you have vendors, if you're a clinic and you use these vendors and you don't have a good contract and you don't make sure, you're going to have some liability there besides all of the problems that could, you know, arise from the, you know, from the patients themselves. So what are some of the suggestions that you have for dealing with vendors? And oh, associates? definitely. Yeah, that's a great point you make about the fact that, 
you don't uh, outsource your liability when you outsource different activities. So you have to make sure your BAs are there. And certainly, you know, the first thing that the covered entities, the hospitals, clinics, insurance companies, what they think of is, oh, well, I'll have them sign a BA agreement, and that'll take care of everything. But I've also, I also work with a lot of business associates, the BAs, uh, and I've found that a lot of them will sign those BA agreements but then they don't have, they don't do the actions that actually support what is promised within that VA agreement. Ooh. So um, the, the covered entities need to make sure that they have some sort of oversight to ensure that the VAs really are, you know, you, protecting that information appropriately, uh, making sure that training occurs for everyone who's touching the information that they've uh, given to them, making sure that they aren't sharing it inappropriately. That's something that uh, I found a lot of BAs were actually sharing the information that they got from the covered entities they were doing business with with other other entities without the, the covered entities knowing about it. So, you know, the covered entities must make it clear that you cannot share this information with others unless you have our authorization to do so and you have to have the appropriate um, controls in place. So. That's another area where you mentioned earlier about some of my services. One of my services is, you know, providing an online service to make it easy for this VA oversight with others so that they aren't putting our patient information at risk. Exactly. So in most of the contracts that that the... um and when we're talking about covered entities, let's let's just kind of explain what we mean by that under HIPAA, because there might be people listening that don't understand what we mean by covered entities. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, a covered entity under HIPAA, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, a covered entity is a healthcare provider. So that would be like your your uh, healthcare clinic and your doctors and the pharmacies where you go to get your prescription. But it's also a health insurance company uh, and the agents that you visit and get your health insurance through, and it's also healthcare clearinghouses, those organizations that take the, the digital protected health information from one entity and convert it to a different form to pass it on to another. So basically anybody who's helping you with your health care, uh, be it uh, giving you care in a hospital or clinic or at a pharmacy or helping you with your health insurance. Those are all what are called business or, excuse me, covered entities under the HIPAA regulation. Right. And so then we were just talking about the, the vendors and those it could be um, business associates, people who do billing for you, right? They are might be considered a vendor or a business associate. And so those are the ones that have to be very careful to comply with whatever contracts the uh, covered entities have. Do a lot of these companies uh, or covered entities institute indemnification clauses in their contracts so that if the uh, vendor or the associate does violate the, the HIPAA rules that then the covered entity can go after them for indemnification? Well, yeah, I do see them uh, adding those types of clauses into them, but also it's important for any business associate, anyone doing work for covered entities to understand that now under the HIPAA laws, they are obligated by that law, even if they don't have a business associate agreement in place, if they 
fall under that definition of a business associate under HIPAA. Right. They are obligated to follow the right. privacy rule, security rule, and the High Tech Act, which is a part of uh, HIPAA that deals with the breach notification primarily. So even without a contract in place, they are obligated to follow those rules and regulations, and they face just sanctions and penalties if they don't, not only you know from the covered entity that they're doing the work for through their BA agreement, but from the Department of Health and Human Services and every single state attorney general's office can also bring sanctions and penalties against organizations that are not following the HIPAA requirements. Right. So even a bookkeeper for for a doctor's office, right? Yeah. Would be, yes. would, could be subject. Cause... They have access to protected health information. Cloud providers. Right. Uh, a lot of my uh, business associate clients are cloud providers. And and it's always a learning curve with them because they're like, oh, well, we don't have to follow all of HIPAA because, you know, we're just the cloud provider. We aren't actually doing anything with that PHI, uh, the protected health information. And it takes, you know, it takes them a little while sometimes for me to explain to them that, yes, you have to follow all of the requirements. You can't pick and choose uh, what you are going to do uh, if you're a business associate. You have to follow them all no matter how small of an organization you are, like you're talking about the bookkeeper or the billing clerk or the transcriptionist, uh, but even up to the largest. So everyone who has access to patient information has to make sure that they are safeguarding it appropriately and has all the documentation in place to prove it. Yeah, and so how about some of these companies that are self-insured and they have a lot of that health information within their own corporation? What about them? Well, definitely, they uh, are typically considered to be what's called a hybrid, a covered entity, meaning that the portion of the organization that is doing that self-insurance, that's handling the patient information, that portion of the organization must follow HIPAA as well uh, because they are serving as the health insurance entity to their employees. So definitely, uh, they need to make sure that that office or that business unit that is supporting that self-insurance has uh, all of the requirements for HIPAA uh, complied with and all of the appropriate safeguards in place as well. So that's something a lot of organizations don't realize. That's a great question because a lot of organizations say, well, we don't have to follow HIPAA because, you know, we aren't a, a doctor or insurance company. But if they're self-insured, well, yep, they do. They need to make sure that that part of their organization is in compliance with all the HIPAA uh, rules. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, actually the HIPAA, again, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act was you know, has been in effect since 2002. Now, most people think about it, they think about HIPAA as this disclosure that they get from their doctor's office when they have to sign these HIPAA forms to, in order to get service. So what are they really signing? You know, most people don't understand. Are they really getting a lot of privacy out of it? What are they getting? Well, you know, they they should be mm-hmm. if the entity is actually complying with all of HIPAA, but that that uh, form that they sign, that's called the Notice of Privacy Practices. Right. And that is a requirement of HIPAA that they provide that. So that's that's telling the patient their rights to get access to their patient information and, and the right to get information about who's been getting access to their 
uh, patient information, if it if it was outside of treatment or payment or operations type of activities. So what they are signing there is that they understand the rights that they are being uh, told within that notice of privacy practices. So it's really important when you go to a doctor's office. I've noticed now this is another one of those um, uh, mistakes that I'm seeing a lot of clinics and hospitals make. They have just a very brief sentence that says, if you want to see our full notice, ask us at the desk. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> please sign here. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so most people, you know, they're, they're signing that form along with probably half a dozen other forms that they were being given to sign without really realizing uh, what they're signing. But by signing that, they're saying that they know and understand what their rights are about how their patient information is being protected and their rights to get access to it. Right. So what about asking for your um, your records? You know, uh, do you suggest, because we're sitting here on the campus at the University of California, but we have lots of businesses driving by. But I think people go to the doctor and they don't always think to get copies of their medical records. What do you think should be done? Should people ask for their medical records when they go after they've been to the doctor or when they're at the doctor's office? Well, yes, I think it's a good thing, you know, how we recommend people check their credit reports once a year. I think it's a good idea to check your medical records, too, to make sure that it's accurate because mistakes can be made. So this way you can make sure that you you check and catch any mistakes that may have been made within um, your data set that is your limited data set is what HIPAA describes it as, the portion that you're uh, being given access to. But also, this is a really good way to make sure that there's not being medical identity theft being committed using your information because that can lead to not only problems with insurance and financial issues, but you don't want to have somebody else's medical information and health problems being put into your health records and then having you know, inappropriate or inaccurate um, types of care being given to you as a result of that. So it is a good thing to ask uh, about once a year or so, depending on how often you go to the doctor's office. But, you know, ask to see uh, your records and make sure that everything is up to date and is accurate as well. And especially now that everything is electronic, it's pretty easy for them to just print off what they've done that day or what they have. So, you know, often I'll just say, can I have a copy of the record from today? Because I saw them typing it in. And so, you know, you can do that. Because one time I did see, recently it wasn't medical identity theft, but they mixed me up with another patient and and was putting something down uh, for a diagnosis that wasn't mine. (laughs) So it's it's really important to see it because, you know, people are human and those are the kinds of mistakes that will be replicated and could cause you a problem later, especially with your insurance, your health insurance. Oh, definitely. And you know, with the health insurance, uh, health, or excuse me, the health information exchanges now, um, like you just said, you don't want to propagate mistakes throughout many other systems far beyond your own doctor's office. So definitely, you want to catch any errors right as, as soon as you can and get them fixed so you don't have all those errors being shared and and uh, duplicated elsewhere. So that's uh, that's another really good reason to, to check on them. Yeah. Now, Rebecca, 
What about all these breaches that we hear about? We are still hearing about a lot of breaches at medical facilities, doctor's offices. What's going on here? Does does this do we have enough safeguards? What's what's happening? Well, yeah, I mean, HIPAA really is uh for the most part one of the best information protection regulations that we have, most comprehensive. But when you look at all of the advances in technologies over the past even few years, you'll see that, you know, what started out as having just one central repository within each insurance company and each hospital where all of your patient records are at now through much more sharing with other organizations and also, excuse me, also through... Um, the, the use of all these mobile devices and having copies of your information being on uh, tablets and on smartphones and, and on websites where you can go to a portal and get it. The reason why we're seeing more breaches is because we're becoming a much more technically complex uh, environment with regard to where our patient information is being collected and shared. You know, just as another example, medical devices. Uh, I've been working with a really large group of medical device folks over the past year or so, and those are becoming digital, and those are collecting and sending health information through them to many other different systems when they're in hospitals and clinics. So the fact that we're creating more data and sharing more data is leading to more breaches because there's, there's many more areas of risk. So it, mm-hmm. HIPAA is a good regulation, but it's being very uh, misunderstood by many of the organizations that uh, are interpreting it in ways that, that limit access to patient information in ways that they shouldn't be to the patients themselves. But mm-hmm. then, so, you know, it, it's good we have the regulation. We just need much better understanding of the regulation. And, you know, another thing that really caused a problem was the fact that early on the Department of Health services. They didn't enforce the requirements for HIPAA for probably around the first six or seven years. So right, right. the covered entities and the business associates, they basically became came to the point where they were ignoring it because it wasn't being enforced. So they really need to make sure that uh, they're following those those requirements. They've got patient Well, do you think this year and the new year that we're going to see some more enforcement from HHS? I do. They're, in fact, they said that they're not only going to do many, many more audits of covered entities of all sizes and types, but uh, they said they're also going to start doing many more audits of business associates, which to date, uh, the business associates haven't had scheduled audits. Now, if they had had a breach, they would be audited or reviewed following the breach and as well as the covered entities. But now you're going to have a lot more reviews and audits of all type of business associates and covered entities um, in addition to all of the other types of breach follow-up that they're going to be doing. And they're going, they're already giving much more um, higher fines and penalties. So if an organization doesn't have appropriate documentation and safeguards in place, they could face some very high fines and penalties. Right. Now, there's still no private right of action against um, a, a 
you know, under HIPAA, which means that so people need to understand that, that there, if there's a violation, the attorney general's office can, can f- take uh, action against them or the Department of Health and Human Services. But they have no right right now under HIPAA to file a personal lawsuit if they've been injured. So I'm just wondering if that's something that you think would ever happen. Well, I have seen uh, some, even though that HIPAA does not provide for that, I've seen in different states, such as in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, which has their own, you know, additional health laws down there, I've seen some cases brought under the state laws as opposed to under HIPAA itself. So right, so I, if it doesn't, if it isn't preempted by HIPAA, they can go ahead and do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Under HIPAA, basically it says if states have more stringent laws and requirements, then the state law takes precedence over HIPAA itself. It's it's basically whatever is most stringent between HIPAA and the state law, which take precedence. So uh, if you have more stringent requirements or uh, penalties within a state, why then you can basically do that. And plus, sometimes those state laws don't even mention HIPAA, but they talk about patient information. And so people are seeing that they can have um, ways in which to get legal relief through their state laws if they can't do it on their own through HIPAA. Well, we are out of time. You are wonderful, Rebecca. This is a wonderful book, The Practical Guide to HIPAA Privacy and Security Compliance. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing on behalf of privacy and security. And just give your website and we got to go. Sure privacyprofessor.org and HIPAAcompliancetools.org in addition to the one you mentioned, privacyguidance.com. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful new year. Okay, take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.